Hello everybody and welcome back to the Antpod. This is now episode 3 and today we are talking all testing and keeping products. Now before we start this podcast I would like to say for all of those listening on YouTube, I know quite a few have been asking me to share a link for the podcast and already now I can say there is a link in the description for Anchor where on Anchor you can get a link for Spotify and other places where this podcast is out. Now. We also have some questions from you guys, you have been asking on Instagram, and those questions will be taken at the last part of the podcast, but we're going to start by just having a little bit of introduction, because going back to the podcast, I am no creator of such products, therefore I have decided to get some professionals on the podcast, and well, Wakushi and Aesthetic Ants is what I think is quite professional. So, say hello to Wakushi. Hello everybody, Sid here from Wakushi, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sid. It's amazing to have you here on the podcast. And well, Sid, you run the store Wakushi, and I do believe that this is your full-time job. Uh, yeah, it has been for um, when's that's coming up from probably around January. Um, it was full-time on the ants. Um, before that, the uh, the printer farm, uh, and there was kind of a, it was more of a team working in collaboration on a few different projects um and then i've decided to branch out do this um full time so uh yeah it's nice that it that can be done and the time can be dedicated to uh the hobby so you said a january this year or how long yeah january so around january this time this year sort of the start of um this year's ant season um so, this year being uh, 2021. That's correct, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, judging by last year, was kind of just getting a scope of, of kind of how uh, busy the hobby is, you know, how much uh, there's a requirement for for their sort of ant-keeping hobby, um, with the loss of a few stores, um, and with the hobby growing and obviously gaining a few new stores. You've got some fantastic ant shops out there. So, you know, that's just bringing a wider scope and a wider range of, of ants uh, to the hobby and to people who want to get into it, which is fantastic. And obviously those kind of, you know, a lot of the people getting ants, they, they're now looking for nests. And there's, some, there's obviously great manufacturers of ants out there. Um, but the nice thing is um, there's room for, for a, lot of, a lot more sort of nest makers and things. So uh, that's then enabled uh, me to kind of focus uh, on this more and kind of keep working on nests. And, and it's it's been fantastic. And um, it's nice to be so involved in, in a sort of specialist area and hobby. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to have you here on the podcast. And I'm sure we'll go in a bit more on the specialist part because you specialize in leafcutter nests and other nests like that, or at least you are trying. But together with Wakushi, we also have Aesthetic Ants. Now, Aesthetic Ants is a YouTuber with over 2,000 subscribers, and he has an Estee shop where he also says Antnest. Say hello to Aesthetic Ants. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ant Holofer podcast. It's great to be finally part of a, well, <laughs> to be part of a podcast like the Ant Pod. It's an honor, and thank you, Holofer, for having me. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure having you. I must say, I had to hear the Formicast podcast with you last year. I think I just had to rehear that. Yeah, that was such a long time ago. Back then, I only had two hundred subscribers, I believe. So yeah, I came a long, long way since uh, since one of the last uh, podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, it's amazing to have you uh, on my podcast or the end part. So, um, how long have uh, how long have you been running your store for? 
Um, I started the store in um, November last year. That's when I first um, got my 3D printer and started basically right away selling selling Antnas. So yeah, that was quite a thing. Uh, at the start it didn't go well, but yeah, turned out all right in the end. So um, and for for full disclaimers, I'm not doing it um, full time. I'm still in school, so right now it's more of a uh, side hustle as 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 you may think and um yeah more of a side project and not something i'm doing full-time so yeah not full-time yet at least not full-time <laughs> yet true now uh doing the podcast we may refer to aesthetic ants as ea and wakushi as sit because it's just uh, quite a bit easier and shorter to say but uh well gentlemen i think we should start the podcast for real so immediately you may not know this but Wakushi and Aesthetic Ants is actually quite closely friends, I think. You two talk quite a lot with each other. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite true. I'll answer this one. Um, so there's a fun story behind it. Um, for first, when I was a very small channel still, um, Seth immediately caught, um, well, I caught Seth's eye and he left a comment when you hit 1,000, um, yeah, I'll, I'll sponsor that video. So back then I was totally excited because I had known Wakushi because I was looking for a lot of ant stores and a lot of inspiration at the time. And uh, I, I I did know him for, for a longer time. Um, but I thought it was, okay, this is this massive store with all these people behind it. And I, I never saw like the person behind, uh, behind the, the brand Wakushi. And so a few months later, I was getting close to like the 500 and then I messaged him because I like the product so much asking to be an affiliate because okay maybe I can um, help this brand a little bit meanwhile I got some I, I bought some products and I really liked them I thought okay if this is a good store I need to promote this and more people need to um, see this brand and yeah until now I stuck with that as the only brand I'm I'm really um, promoting as, as an affiliate kind of so that's what got the ball rolling. So I asked for, uh, for uh, via email, I asked for that, that product code and I got it. Um, and still, Static Ants, 10% discount. <laughs> throw, it, throw it out there for the people to know. But it's, it's, so, I think it's better um, to use uh, Ant Holifer. Uh, ah, yeah, and of course, <laughs> use Ant Holifer. Then we can have a race, see what product codes used, uh, used more. So then I sent a second email um, asking... I believe it was something like, okay, can I be like the 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 creator's face of the brand, something like that. It was a little bit cringe, what I sent, um, but yeah, that was before we knew each other, and I don't know how it started, um, but I think Sid joined the Discord or something, or anyway, we we got talking and basically it never stopped, and well. I think it's almost safe to say that I text more with with Sid than with my girlfriend, so it's oh. <laughs> almost <laughs> almost becoming a problem at this time. But yeah, uh, no, it, it it grew out to not only a great partnership, I think, but also I can say a great friendship. And um, yeah, I learned so much from 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 uh, from Sid and from all his his experience, and it really helped me and. Um, it really prevented me from making a lot of mistakes so yeah I'm very grateful and yeah I can see, I see him a little bit as a father figure now oh. and he's always teaching me what, what to do and what, what not to do so yeah very thankful and um, yeah 
great to call him a friend. So that's a little bit how it happened. Uh, this is uh, this is purely amazing and keeping uh, bringing <laughs> a, people together. A true love story. <laughs> <laughs> true love story. <laughs> EA and Fukushi. Uh. True love story. A match made in heaven. But I think yeah, it did, it did stemmed it. It kind of started, sparked off. I think a lot with a mutual uh, interest in three D printing, and I think that that was what stemmed um, quite a lot of the the sort of the direct communication. Um, bouncing ideas off um each other and things and and just sort of discussing um a lot of the 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 hobby and and kind of the improvements and what's around and what could be done better and things like that so yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and it's nice to have not only the ants but have 3d printing side of things uh yeah definitely mutual interest as well yeah yeah this is uh this is this is purely amazing to sit here and hear so you two you're a little bit of a team yeah, are all Angiving stores talking together, or is it just you two, or is it a bigger team? Or let me get some insight from a from a shop perspective. Are all stores talking together? I think there is. There is. There is a lot of. Um, there are kind of a few networks. Um, there are a lot because what you tend to find is there's not a whole lot of stores that do everything. You tend to find there are stores that specialize more in ants there are stores that specialize more in supplies there are there are stores which specialize in not just ants there are stores that specialize um in in nests so it's 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 quite difficult the difficult thing with the hobby i think is um it is it is small um but it's growing fast and but i don't think it's necessarily quite at the stage where it warrants a huge uh, a huge store that can really handle absolutely everything. I guess the one store to compare it to is something like the Ant Store Germany. Um, you know, they they obviously kind of specialize um, in everything. They've been running a very long time, so obviously they've built up that that base. So I don't think there's a whole lot of stores that are quite at that caliber. So um, yeah, there's there's you will you will find there will be those networks um, because when one store can't provide something it's nice to have almost a kind of a partner store that you can work closely with so you know helping out you know like like ea would have a suggestion of where to buy ants from be it you know ant lady or something like antics and and kind of vice versa um so there is there is those networks because at the moment obviously they they need to be because you do need to work closely um, especially when you've got a, you know you've got a new new keeper and they say for example like you know I really want this species of ants and I want a nest that goes with it and I might have a nest that go to, that goes with it but I don't have this the ants available so then they want a suggestion or I could recommend do you know what you've got stores like Ant Lady you've got stores like Ant Antics that have massive range of ants and they can go to those or there may be somewhere in EU at the moment who want you know a suggestion of where they can buy nests from and that's where they can be diverted to someone like ea's etsy store because obviously they you know it's 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 better for them to order from there than it can be from the uk at the moment so yeah there are there are there are a few networks yeah definitely i try also to um because i have ant antics in the uk then as a reseller of of my nest so basically i send them a bunch of my nests and of course sending a big package is way cheaper than um sending them individual uh, nests to the uk because of all the brexit and stuff so i definitely try to keep partnerships the main one is also with utah and shop in america to resell my um resell my nest just to make 
for me it doesn't really have a lot of benefits but for the for the customer and the people living in that countries it becomes much cheaper for them so yeah i try to get as many many nests out there to to the people that want it and then yeah these these partnerships um are a great way to 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 make that happen yeah it's amazing to hear that you're not not like competing but working together with creating this hobby and making it all that much better and talking about that why why did you decide to start making these and keeping uh, products uh, let's start with uh, Sid. um so i i feel like i've touched on something similar to this before so the reason i kind of got into it i've been involved with inverts i've you know i've had tarantulas scorpions praying mantis tons and tons and tons of inverts before and i've i've always been into um you know bugs and things as a kid and all kinds of um you know just general you know pets and things um and but for some reason just ants even though i'd always had an interest in them you know in the uk we don't have much to choose from we have just luscious niger and and you know flavus and that's until i got into ant keeping actually that's about all i was aware that we even had in the uk um i didn't even know there was anything other than those two I just thought there was literally red and black ants yeah yeah and i've, I've been there it wasn't <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, my whole life for, you know, 35 years or, or 30 years, I've been sort of out playing with bugs and stuff in the garden up until now. And I'd only ever come across really just the, the you know, red ants in the grass and then black ants that run around. And obviously it's easier to, at the time, just think, mix up, you know, Fusco and think they're just Nigers and, you know, this type of stuff. So, um so really, I just kind of, it always been an interest. I'd, I'd kind of like the idea of them, but never thought it really possible to keep them as, as a kind of pet. Um, and it wasn't really because there wasn't really wasn't much information around. And most of all, there, there wasn't really sufficient ant farms or nests. You know, all the nests were much the same kind of Chinese acrylic yeah, type a, ones a that you see. And, yeah, and, and there were a lot of these sort of, you know, these kiddie you know gimmick nests that you you know that that they send you ants in the post they send you to sort of 20 mess workers and they're not actually there's no queen and then they're not really designed to actually have an ant farm so it just kind of i can't remember exactly when i stumbled into it i think it was just generally when i was just browsing around on ebay and stumbled across um a few diy options of of nests and i thought wait a minute i'm kind of getting into this 3d printing and uh, that might be something I could look into. And then the more I looked into it, and I'd had stumbled across Ants Canada at this time, so I'd kind of had a bit more of an understanding that, oh, well, actually, wait, there, there there, actually is a way of kind of keeping these. But the question is, you know, kind of uh, what, what nests are available? And after browsing around a lot, I found a few options that were very expensive. You know, Ants Canada stuff was, was very expensive to get to the UK after fees and things. And... Um, the UK had a few options, um, but I just kind of thought maybe there's something I can do to, you know, I had a few ideas in my head and I actually didn't even, didn't even think of making it into, uh, you know, a product to sell. It was more of just a personal project. But as with most of the stuff that I do now, it they start off as personal projects for my own personal colonies and their troubles that I have when keeping them. And then all I do is just design them, but with a, a kind of, with also an intention to uh, mass produce them so there's kind of some limitations but in essence it's all stuff for myself that or i just enable customers to buy as well 
because they make my time keeping them easier and that will naturally be the same for the same problems that people are having in the hobby so that was kind of really what stemmed the the whole shop um and the community obviously the feedback and and things really just are what keep keep it going you know the more people that buy nests the more inspiration um that you know inspires me that when people are buying them and they're saying and they send you pictures of their colonies yeah, and they're thriving in it them must and, be amazing you know that kind of stuff really it it, it does it spurs you on because you've helped someone else get into what is such a fantastic hobby um that can also you know f- it can also work the other way around as well when you see you know for example they that someone sends a message to you and they're like well you know what happened here what went wrong with you know i had them in it might just be something like you know these chinese style ant, ant farms that that you they're they're made this made to sell um rather than being functional um and then when the, the the basics are explained they kind of understand maybe that was probably not the right time to either move them in or the right nest for them that's that's also why we're doing this podcast to try to help everybody get a wider like a, like see that it is not just acrylic and cheap and that's best there's there's real thoughts behind you too Smith. you you work a lot on them and you make some uh, amazing quality at the end um, but I think uh, going over to uh, Mr. EA, how um, how does how did you decide to uh, start your own shop? It's quite a different story than than Sets, but also kind of similar story. So back then I already had uh, the YouTube channel, and a, a problem what I was facing quite early on is okay, I have a few ant colonies. Um, problem is I can't make enough interesting content about these few colonies. Um, yeah, well, ants don't do that much, so there's just not enough content. So what do you do? Okay, you get more ants, more content. So as it was getting, I was expanding my ant colony and my ant colonies, and back then I wasn't that knowledgeable, and I thought, oh, we'll need a nest soon for them. Uh, but most of the colonies I got then are still in test tubes, but that's on, on a side note. So I thought, oh, I need to get nests soon. So I was browsing, um, and I saw all these nests, and I thought well, this is way too expensive and if I need to get um, nests for all these colonies and outworlds and, and all that stuff. And um, then I started looking, okay, what's in my own country? What can I get for cheaper? Turns out it wasn't cheaper. And it also, yeah, really, I, I like clean nests and uh, white especially. And there wasn't much of that locally available. So I thought, you know what? Mm, let, let me check why can't I make my own nest? So I started with white tongue, uh, completely failed. Uh, turns out I'm very, very bad at making white tongue and nest. So then I thought, okay, I have to find something else. And I am very good uh, with with my computer skills. So I got into well, 3D printing. I saw how, how, well, how easy it was to get into um, at, a, at a basic level. Uh, so I got into it. With, with the thought, okay, I, I'm going to make nests for myself. And then <laughs> I found out how hard it is to make an actual good ant nest. Um, so, And then how, how hard printing can be if you want to be a little more advanced. Um, so I made the first ant nest. And uh, actually, I was pretty proud on on uh, what I made. Um, and then a lot of, of OG fans said, hey, I want that as well. Um, can I buy that? I thought, oh people actually want this so i start selling a few and then more people asked and i start selling more and then 
okay, now I need to look and getting this, getting this. And they ask for test tube stuff. And then they ask for, uh, for, for tubing and, and all that stuff. So it was just expanded, um, basically on the demand. And yeah, that's, that's how it all started for me. So out of self-interest, also the fun story about the mini outworld for purely self-interest thought, okay, I need to feed my colonies more easily. Um, so yeah, that's why I made the mini outworlds and yeah, it caught on luckily. So yeah. That's so, it's so funny hearing, hearing this because you just, you just started off and then the fans wanted it and suddenly there was people that wasn't fans that also wanted it. And yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do if you have some proper equipment and make some uh, proper quality. People, uh, people suddenly. Yeah. I think it's, it's very experienced with uh, a very important, uh, same for set is that you're passionate yourself and you're keeping ends yourself. Uh, keeping a lot of ants uh, yourself to test out your products, of course. And if you're not passionate about something, it, it usually doesn't work that well. Um, that explains also a lot about me, me and you in terms of YouTube. But yeah, that's a that's uh, question for later. But yeah, just if you're not passionate, it doesn't work. And if you're passionate, then same with Wakushi, then you can see that it actually pays off and, and, and um, yeah. Yeah, now, now I wrote in my script that uh, we had the basics down and now for some more fun questions. But to be honest, we're already all in on the fun questions, at least the more, <laughs> the more detailed questions. So I'm going to I'm gonna uh, jump a little bit around the question and um, ask, uh, what was your first nest slash prototype and uh, how did it work? And how many did you make before you sold the first one? And let's, uh, let's start with EA this time. All right. So yeah, the first one I made, I made a video on that. Um, it was quite funny. It had actually, um, basically, I didn't know really how hydration works. So I just poked some holes in the wall and, and called it a day. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what if I make like a plaster block and you can hydrate that plaster block? So I, uh, that was actually the hardest thing to do. So printing the, the first design went pretty easy um, because it wasn't too too special. Uh, didn't also have a connector or anything. The connection was just a, also a hole in the wall, so it was pretty basic. Um, and then I tried making a mold for plaster, um, but for people that tried it, that absolutely doesn't work, um, because plaster will attach to to the print itself, and yeah, that 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 doesn't work. So I I tried so many molds. Uh, that was actually what I like six or seven designs, and then one design with screws that you had to unscrew, and then the mold would come off. But then I uh, mismeasured, and then the mold wouldn't fit, and yeah, there were a lot of lot of problems. Um, and then I completely redesigned everything. Uh, much later was I think maybe a month later when I, I learned some um, mold printing techniques because I was making designs because I had so much fun doing it. Um, and then I think it took me like four or five tries to get the first one um, first one ready to sell. So yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so fun hearing how you test. And to be honest, I, I would personally love to see more videos uh, online because at this whole thinking process, uh, I remember last year you did your whole mountain thing doing a hibernation and it was, it's just amazing to follow how you find problems, you try to find solutions, and then you find new problems, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, but uh, Bakushi, or Sid, should I, I should say, uh, what's your story about your first nest and uh, your first customer? 
Oh, wow. My nest, the first nest I made was absolutely shocking. Um, I actually still keep it. I've got it around somewhere. Um, now, EA was lucky because when he got into 3D printing, the 3D printers were quite quite much further along than when uh, the first printers I got. Um, and I must say mine were very, very early, early printers at that time. And they were quite frankly terrible um you probably imagine the worst 3d printed nest you've ever seen then make it worse than that and that's probably what the first very first prototypes were like um if, if you still if you like still have a, a picture of that uh, i would love to i would love for you I'll, to share it i think i saw it one time is it the I black think nest? I, sh- I, I think yeah, it's, it's black, black. It's yeah black, then yeah. i saw it's it appalling yeah. like he isn't lying it's <laughs> really it, terrible it's so <laughs> it it like it warped so badly because the at the time the print the printer bed they weren't textured. They were just a piece of glass that gets hot and it, nothing stuck to it. And I didn't know anything about, you know, it was all a huge learning curve. And 3D printing, the basics are quite easy, but but there's such a scope of improvement that can be made with it. With just settings and, and experience and hardware and machinery. And <clears throat> that was, so the, the first prototypes were just terrible. They just, they didn't really... They weren't functional. They were just, they looked like the rough shape, but they were suitable for nothing more than the bin. And it probably took about six months of really playing around with 3D printers before I got to the stage where I felt comfortable enough with them to actually make something that might actually work. And then it was kind of an ongoing stage of maybe six months or so working on... um, I mean, the one thing I didn't want to do was just was kind of start small and expand because it, it's kind of a hard way to, for example, there's a lot of stores out there that will just try and maybe make and, and sort of retail one nest. Um, obviously, like a bit like EA's done, but obviously he has he's had that fantastic boost of having the um, the YouTube channel and that kind of awareness. But there's a lot of there's there's tons and tons of of people who are now making and 3d printing nests it's quite difficult for them to become noticed because it's it is a very you know t- it's a very flooded market in a way um that that sort of side of things now so one of the ways that i kind of try to get around that uh, even though it wasn't so flooded then was i kind of spent six months working on a whole range of modules and options all the generation stuff which some people may remember um they're very similar to the stuff that the sort of modular stuff that's available now but it's been it was improved quite significantly for generation two but that 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 was kind of where things eventually got up to and that was the first time they were actually sold was when i got to generation one but it gone through a whole range of failures and and just testing and just endless amounts of nests being binned to get to that point so that was kind of how i got there Uh, amazing story amazing story but uh, you too, you are still uh, running your shops and you're constantly uh, working on new products and new outworlds and whatnot. Um, what's uh, what's your favorite upcoming uh, nest, EA? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, upcoming nest, I think, are the new mesh nests. So oh, once actually, a new mesh nest. New mesh nest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we uh, currently only the small mesh nest is available. Um, because I knew, all right, I can put that out there. That should be all fine because it's very small and contained. Um, but for larger and a medium nest, it was a little more difficult to see how ants would um, do inside the nest. So 
uh, I made I made a few prototypes, sent them out to several people to test it out uh, for me because I don't have the colony sizes for the large nests. Um, and yeah, the, the rev reviews have been have been very very great, uh, very promising. Um, and Holifer is a lucky tester <laughs> and is, uh, was be able to test out um, the medium mesh nest. Um, and yeah, well. I think you can agree that it is a big improvement from from the the last nest, and that's definitely um, a very unique uh, style of nest. So I'm very proud proud on that because the way I make them, I haven't seen them before yet. So it's very original, and being original is already very hard. So if I then succeed, I'm very happy. And very upcoming are are my my uh, my new outworlds. So um, yeah, that's even more exciting because people ask me that for all year now yeah i must say uh, just uh, to finish your story about uh, the new and the old nest the old nest uh, ea made was uh, with a sponge and uh, with the new nest this is the smash nest where you actually use a cotton ball under the nest to hydrate and you can switch this cotton ball out over time if it gets moldy whereas with most normal nests it will be quite hard to go in and change the sponge with a colony inside uh, but Wakushi, um, you're also working on uh, some leaf cutter stuff, and um, what else are you working on, and uh, what is your favorite upcoming uh, project? Well, uh, well, favorite's gonna go hand in hand with these leaf cutters. They're they're just on another level. Um, I mean, I they kind of restarted that early excitement I had when I got into into ant keeping, um, because it almost feels like a separate hobby in itself. Um, so it's, it's hard. So anything, any question I get asked about what I've kind of got going on, what I'm excited about, it's just going to stem all over leaf cutters at the moment because they, you know, I think, I think we've got a plan for doing a separate podcast just on those. So I won't yeah, that is, uh, that go is too much. That is actually quite correct. Uh, hopefully, uh, next week's podcast will be all about, uh, leaf cutters and, uh, these products. So yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I won't I won't boggle too much about that right now um but yeah they're definitely the uh the, the favorite and the, the biggest thing I've got on going at the moment there's quite a lot of um items that are due for launch that have been awaiting launch um are going through testing uh one other one that's particularly a favorite which I'm starting to move a lot of colonies into um are the kind of fedoli all-in-one type setups yeah it's kind of uh it's a it's a play on uh, tubs and tubes where you've got test tubes running inside and out world so it makes things like uh keeping very very tiny species um like solenopsis fugax there's some of those really tiny species that even even something like a micro species nest might not be suitable for the, the type of species which might necessarily you might only be able to keep in tubs and tubes just because they they can only really go in a test tube that needs to be situated in an outworld um and it's difficult to explain because it's one of those and i'm also playing around with um some experimental um no shield no light shield nesting um just to kind of enable a few more possibilities with regards to sort of nests but you know a lot of the new stuff is trying to bring down overall price of, of ant keeping you know like I said all in one it's probably not necessarily all in one but it kind of is 
um, more like tubs and tubes um, that will kind of enable people not to need an outworld and a separate nest because it's kind of it goes hand in hand so that when they expand from that yeah, and then that's also just because yeah right now i mean a cheap nest is like a nine ten pounds and then a cheap outworld is like 15 or something like that pounds as well so it really quickly get expensive for that you have to both buy a nest and an outworld together with that so yeah i, I get what you're working on yeah, so it's um, you know that's something that's coming soon. Um, it's going through heavy testing because I think that it can make things very. It'll make things a lot easier for a lot of people. Um, I, I get a lot of people asking for the MS nests are becoming incredibly popular, um, and it just seems to be the more popular it comes, the more people are pushing the limits of it and trying to put ever so small species in there. But not only that, there's a lot of people who want to farm um brood and things so there's people who maybe they keep um parasitic queens or slaver queens and they want to maybe maybe they have a colony of fusca and they want a way to be able to get to get to take some some brood now and again just to top up um obviously if you've got a nest which has detachable test tubes inside and out world it can make that process kind of easy so um it's, it's kind of one of these things to look out for it's it's gonna i think it's gonna be very popular and i think a lot of people it will kind of make things a lot easier for a lot of people um but that's a that's a sort of a, a kind of a main popular and there's also a big range of um nests coming which are test tube based I'm, I'm becoming very fond of you know from the from off the back of the venus becoming a big fan of, of test tube variant nests uh just because of how well they work and and how easy they are and i i must i must pop in and clarify some things uh, your ms nest follows listening with there is not a I don't know what kush you too much that is uh, for macro species so really small species are able to live in these uh, ms nest and this venus nest is basically three test tubes hooked up with a little mini outworld so uh, yeah that's just to clarify for all of those listening that is indeed correct um, yeah but yeah um, the the, ne- the next question is i mean we are a little bit on the topic it is maybe mostly for wakushi as you have uh, quite a lot of product pro- as you have quite a lot of products in your bag um what is what is your favorite existing product and uh, adding on that uh, what's your most over engineered product you have on your store oh okay um so my favorite probably has to be um hmm i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the venus just because it was a really fun project to work on um there was a lot of hype about it when it first came out um there was a lot of you know a lot of there was a lot of changes being done from feedback so generally the whole process of making it was really was really fun um and also it's very popular and i see a lot of people using them in social media and that's always nice as well and and they they work very well for founding and obviously it's it's probably one of the best nests for beginners to use um in a founding stage obviously when you've got things like ea's mini outworld and you which is i'm sure his top selling nest um and you've got the venus they are the ones that are just so easy for beginners to get involved because there's no risk of them moving ants in that where they moving you know into a too big nest and such it's an old one uh, tops and tube setup so yeah it just it just makes things simple it's very it's very difficult to go wrong with them because they they cover a lot of things you know you've got hydration taken care of you've got you know you've got heat cable placement there so you can't a lot of the the sort of things that can go wrong are kind of solved for you 
with regards to heat cable location and the hydration so you just worry about occasional feeding and everything's done for you really so that's that's why they're quite nice um, are they then your most uh, yes. over-engineered or is it uh, something totally different no uh they were quite over-engineered because they actually started off being um almost like a four port version uh well they they've started off as a as a as a sort of an alternative to the ants canada portal um because in the uk um i, I found i like the idea of those where you could just connect the test tubes um and you've just got a way of feeding things inside them that's how they started off and then it just started just progressing to then cu- closing the sides off uh, so that light wouldn't get in the sides and then thought well now there's nothing on the top so okay let's add a red shield so it did get it did get quite over engineered i'm not going to lie um but it it's hard when you find these solutions that make things a bit easier and um you know then you have the rack system for it and you just get you can it's hard to not get carried away um i think most over engineered might possibly be the at the moment until the leaf cutter stuff comes out probably the weaver outworlds because there's a lot of accessories um a lot of parts a lot of flexibility on setup um so that 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 took a long time that was about a year in development that um and i think still people don't even know the full capabilities of the setup with regards to um i think it will start showing over time but there's a lot of different accessories in different ways of setting it up that can solve various things by using parts that aren't necessarily set up for the um the weaver outworld but that'll come but that was probably my most engineered project i think yeah it's also pretty pretty niche item so harder to get the full full feedback and and stuff uh, like you got from the venus so yeah then then's definitely harder yeah, and uh, talking about you, EA, or talking with you, uh, I know you have you have your whole uh, mesh nest uh, lineup. Is it was or working on it at least? Was that over engineered, or uh, how how long did it take for you to uh, make the mesh nests? Well, yeah, over engineered is might be a big term because in 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 all, it's a very simple nest. Still, it doesn't have much to it. You basically connect the tube, and that's it, um, and you let the ants inside. So over-engineered i would say um not i would like to make something just very complicated and over-engineered i did that with the ea1 nests so i think that would be a little bit uh, too over-engineered but but yeah I, i try to keep it as simple as possible because definitely for me the biggest uh customers uh or the biggest group is just uh, kids so um so minors under the age of 18 so yeah, you need to make it as dummy proof as possible, and um, the the new nests are 100% flood proof, and 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 um, for only for micro species they are 100% escape proof. So yeah, I think maybe that is a little bit over engineered, but still the, the the core idea of the nest is very simple. Of course, um, it uses very advanced printing techniques to make it to make it actually work, and and it's definitely not easy to do. Um, but that's also why it's unique, and I'm very happy that that I made it uh, in that way. But yeah, I wouldn't classify it as as over engineered. That would be more for the EA one, and and for the people that 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 on the web EA one is uh, uh, it's called the static ants ones, basically an art nest. Um, so it's not per se for okay, it's it's most functional or or the best for your ants, but it's just I made it. 
to look cool. Um, so yeah, and that was pretty over-engineered. That that took quite a while to get right. So yeah. But the end result does look uh, does look really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still very very proud of that nest. <laughs> so how it turned out, uh, yeah. Okay, so both of you, you we have talked a lot about um, how you have to test and how you have to keep trying, and failure is not really an option. Or I mean, it is, but you you both seem really motivated to just keep engineering things. Uh, what what motivates you in general, uh, Sid? Um, probably the all the ants that I keep <laughs> because I, I don't really have much choice a lot of the time. Um, it, it's it's a great thing, and I think it's one of the the most fantastic things about um, having the time for this. Um, and it's to keep so many different species, and they are constantly pushing pushing me um, to find solutions because. As the colonies grow, they really test the boundaries, and that is when you really kind of <clears throat> you understand and you can see the failures in designs. You can learn from the mistakes. You can solve those those issues. And usually, when you've solved an issue, or when they've pointed out a weakness in in a, in a various product, you 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 know about that weakness going forward. So then that makes any products you then design going forward. Um, no longer have that issue, so it's it's really the ants themselves um, that are kind of motivating me to keep doing it because I just keep getting new genus, new species. You know, there's just they're like Pokemon. You you really just get absolutely, you know, you just want to catch them all. And there's there's still so many genus I want to, you know, I'm really keen to get hold of some honey pots and work on um, a you know a setup for them. I think one of the biggest excitements, like it's the challenge. I think it is really what it's it's all about. It's that kind of right here is a species. People really struggle with keeping them low success survival rates. You know, challenge accepted. Okay, let's let's get down. Let's you know, like leaf cutters at the moment. You know, it's there's there's next to no setups that that I can find that I'm that I'm aware of that people sell that are functionally reliable. Um, and make things easy to keep because I, I kind of was always I was kind of thought leaf cutters whoa they are for you know an insanely uh, advanced level keeper you know someone who's just got you know a, a whole room set up for them and they need special foods and they need this and they need that and the, if the temperatures go one degree above you know what they're supposed to be the whole colony will just get wiped no they're not at all like that they're actually incredibly simple to but keep. But I must stop you right I here. People... I must stop you right here. All of those listening sound, you are all really interested. This will be what uh, the next podcast is about. Yeah, so, yeah. Don't... <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I won't, yeah, I won't spo- go too spoiler far. Alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, but EA, do you have anything to add on uh, when, what what motivates you? Um, I I can only agree with with uh, with Seth here. Uh, it's it's for me the ants that that motivate me. Um, and you can see that really well in, in the products I'm making. So um, right now I'm selling, well, relatively speaking, small ant nests. Um, I think the largest ant nest I sell is not even a quarter of the largest ant nest uh, set sells. So, and that's mainly because I don't have large colonies myself. So like I said, it's 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 a self-interest for now that I, I make products for myself that I can use. And then, of course, with the larger nests, I don't need them right now, but I made them... Uh, um, uh, for for the the people that want larger ant nests, but yeah, I haven't made like a huge ant nest basically because I don't need them. And if you if you need a nest yourself, then 
for for my growing naked branches, for example, then you really start to push because you need it. And and maybe space will become a problem. Then I will look at okay, how to stack maybe the nest or how to make it more space efficient. Do I need to make towers of nests? Um, so yeah, really the ants are are the main motivators um, to to make the products. And yeah, I think my store really reflects that well. Yeah, it's really fun to hear that because. Well, as a consumer or just a buyer, I, I'd never, I didn't really think that was what motivates you. I just thought, well, just uh, having fun with it. But it's, it's, it, I, it makes sense. Uh, both of yours, both of your answers. It really makes sense that the ants try to push you to, yeah, make a new and better products. But this has been the kind of the first segment of the podcast with uh, the questions that I had uh, wrote for the podcast. Now uh, we have some questions over from Instagram, and we are starting with a question from Anne Scandinavia. Yes, it is the Anne Scandinavia who was in the podcast uh, last week, so be sure to check that out if you haven't heard it. But Anne Scandinavia asks, so um, because I can't read the question, I'm going to have to rewrite the question a little bit. As we talked about earlier, there's quite a lot of competitions uh, between these smaller stores before you get up to this next level. And co-oping with the Anne Scandinavia question, is the market oversaturated or what are your guys thoughts on that well i i think that in some some parts the market is getting saturated saturated um but yeah there's definitely um so many that people that that asked it, this question probably all, all only picture like uk stores or then um, uh, for, for me and then maybe um, like uh, AliExpress or uh, Anthos, for example, and Ant Store. But there are so many more Ant Shops that you probably never heard about. There are only there are so many in Spain. There are so many Italian ones, so many French ones. There are from Asia. There are Ant Shops from Australia. There are Ant Shops in South America and North America. There are so many Ant Shops. So the fact that you don't even know them. To me, it says, okay, this market is, is not saturated yet. Far from it, actually. And um, I hope that every maker and every end store does something original um, and, and, and pushes their own like mark on, on their nest, like I, I try to do, like make it uh, a little bit about aesthetic ends and about me. Um, because it, it, all the ant nests, definitely the 3D printed ones, it, at the core, they are the same. They're just what they made with a 3D printer. Uh, and and most of the hydration works relatively the same and they're all the same. So you are choosing the nests based on who made them, on the service the shop provides and how unique the nest is. So um, definitely isn't saturated as long as everyone keeps doing their own thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, do you have anything to add, Sid, or... Are you happy with the EA's answer? Um, well, I mean, it's it's a massively growing hobby. There is there is a lot of new stores popping up. That isn't a bad thing because the hobby is growing. Um, you know, the nice thing is from seeing it from my point of view, I can see just how fast the hobby is growing, um, and that's great. There is a lot of new stores. Um, it'd be you know the one thing that I can say to a lot of the new stores is is to really try and try and work on something new. Um, I mean I know it's very tempting to make nests like that ones that already exist, um, but it's kind of it will be difficult for them to be noticed going forward. 
um you know there are there's there's still so much more improvement needed you know i'm sure that in you know four years time we'll look back at the nests that are around today and just be like what were we all thinking you know like everyone just those nests are just terrible in comparison to what and how advanced they will become and it's very important that people and stores need to keep pushing this hobby and you know kind of feedback and improvements in manufacture and testing new designs and experimenting and i think it's one of the things that me and ea love so much it's the constantly keep trying you know new ideas and testing things 90 percent of the time they're absolute fails you know they they it just doesn't work out you know probably for every product i launch you know 10 of them will go in the bin they'll just be different designs that just get shelved because they either just get superseded or um so you know it's really important um that that stores do keep trying new things um and rather than just kind of cloning the same stuff um because it's not going to really help promote that hobby no it will definitely be funny to look back on this interview and see how much things have changed because i actually didn't really think about this but yeah it must be crazy seeing the nest from five years ago or four years ago compared to today and it'll be funny to excite uh, to um, compare them in the future yeah, but I think that's only a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Imagine we're thing. looking back and think, oh, okay, the, five years ago that was the best thing I can make now. Then if there was no progression at all, so yeah, it's good that we dislike the first stuff we made because that shows only how much we have progressed. Definitely how much said progress. I just starting out basically, but yeah, I I think myself what what I make now versus the first one, um, I progressed uh, massively and also course thanks to uh, people like said who guided me a little bit and gave me those starter tips to skip a few steps um that yeah that that a lot of people uh, face so yeah basically a cheater yeah but you have to learn from the people that have more experience that's just best way to do it um and then learn and try to do it better that's that's uh well the student always tr- has to try to become the master that that that's how it is yeah, and that's the thing. As long as you work together and not like, you as long as you work together, it's all fun and games. I mean, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Either way, yeah. Uh, be- together instead of against each other. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how we bring the hobby to a whole nother level. But the uh, next question we have is from. It's a bit of a question both from Victor and from uh, Nova Ants. So it's always nice to have a Nova Ants question. So, um, how do you go about designing the nest layout? And I'm guessing this is referred to the chambers inside. And Nova Ants asked, do you think about the specific species when designing the nest? And uh, let's start with uh, Sid. Um, so before I didn't think about specific species because I didn't really have much experience with them. So when I, I'm referring to sort of the first, the very first nests that 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 are launched, which were probably maybe two years ago now, they were just a very generic nest. Now, um, very limited and keeping experience kind of was more about I kind of looked around what what people were doing and and the basics of hydration and they just need some dry area and some high, you know hydrated area so at that time no specific species weren't uh, factored in obviously going forward with we the weaver setup the fedoli setups micro species so yes now that now that the nests have got to a stage where I'm branching out into specific species, then yes, they're factored in at this stage. Um, about designing the nest layout, 
that's a tricky one because um, quite often um, it's relative to the nest size, I must say. Um, I mean, I know EA tends to like to play around with the um, more naturalistic designs. I tend to favour just more towards maximising the amount of volume inside the nest that you can get. But I know obviously like, EA is going to have a totally different point here because he loves the aesthetics and, and of yes. it's ants, perfect so. to throw it over to aesthetic uh, what are your thoughts yeah for for species um right now i just keep in mind okay uh, if it works for lazis niger i'm 80 percent there um which is very easy if you're in a european store i think because uh, I, I don't speak facts here but i think around 80 percent keeps lazis niger in in the nest I sell. So, um, yeah, definitely if it's good for them, you're covering most of the people's needs. And um, then again, you you want to factor in, okay, can I keep bigger ants in it? So you need to make sure that uh, that there's the right tolerances, that, that some hallways can't be too small so the queen can stay in there. Um, and then someone actually put Lignipurda in, in my smallest nest and I was freaking out. But, but it worked, so the tolerances did work. Um, but yeah, like, like said, said I, I I like the natural curves, and um, I tried making a more square design, and that that completely failed. So yeah, uh, that that just didn't didn't um, the people didn't like that so much. So then I dropped it and start focusing more on the on the natural curves, um, and it's very hard to make it um, that way because you can't measure anything. You just have to go with the flow. Um, all the nests are done uh, in one piece, so that means the, the I need to draw the lines basically. Um, and then if the drawing fails or it doesn't look like uh, nice, uh, and I'm very picky uh, on that regard, then I just have to start again. So it's it has to be yeah, it's, it's a hard pro process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I think yeah, yeah I, I I I'm a I'm a fan of your answers, and I must say um, I am I I love the natural look. I've never, I, I don't know, I, I've never really been a fan of the strainers. I'm just, um, I like the natural curves. So, um, but yeah, next question is from a, a long name, and I'm gonna shout it down to Liam, um, and um, it's a question for both of you. Liam Londolat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I think how. He's from London. I don't know how you. Oh, it's London. Oh yeah, again, uh, again. I have, I have dyslexia, so I didn't even see it says London there. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, he asks or he, she, asked, uh, who are your main competitors and do you keep an eye on them? Ant Holifer. That's He's my, my main competitor. <laughs> YouTube-wise, at least. <laughs> YouTube-wise. But no, we are, we are not competitors. We are a team and we are both going to the top. But um, yeah, let's hit answer this one first. Um, well, in the UK, there's obviously a lot of stores. Um, so there is a kind of... I guess a lot of what you would say is kind of competition. Um, I don't, because I'm in contact with quite a lot of the stores, um, I don't look at them necessarily like competitors. Um, I tend to collaborate um, with quite a few of them on various different projects and things. Um, you know, again, touching on LC, working closely with Ant Antics, which we'll go on to in, into the next podcast. Um, also working with Ant Lady, you know so it's it's kind of i wouldn't see them as competitors um but they are the the sort of the, the, the main stores that are out there um you know you've got you've got ants davy you've got 
Ant Boy UK, you've got High Tech Ants, you've got Ant Labs. You know, there are a lot of different stores out there. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to refer to them maybe as competitors. But, but you do keep more of. But just... you do keep an eye on what. They're oh, of course, on. yeah. You, you mean you, you naturally when when you're doing this all the time, you're always looking at what you know what other stores are kind of working on. Um, because not only that, if you if personally, if I see that a um, for example, a store is specialising in something, and they are covering that part of the hobby really well. Then there's absolutely no no need for me to to be working on that type of project. You know, like it was a real shame when Antkit um, kind of disappeared. I think they are potentially sort of coming back onto the scene. I'm not fully sure, but but they made such incredible acrylic nests. It was just, you know, in my eyes, if you can't do something better than someone else, you shouldn't get involved. Um, they just, you know, they they really, really, really kind of started the hobby off. What I think in for a lot of people, those were, you know, tremendous nests. They've done a lot of work with them. Um, you know, I've worked with acrylic nests. They're obviously something that I've kind of had various projects going on. Um, it, they are incredibly difficult nests to manufacture on a large scale. So hats off to them. You know, they did an incredible job. But that's, um, you know, that's kind of, I like to kind of keep a lookout from the point of view of seeing where the weak areas are in the hobby and then tackle those you know like i like for example leaf cutters because there's just no you know that they're such a great species and i want more people to keep them who are interested in them but they can't because there's just no there's no setups out there for them and that is an incredibly you know as you're aware an incredibly important factor in keeping them yeah they do have uh they do have quite um fragile system without being that fragile but yeah more on that next part so yeah spoilers once again or not spoilers but yeah question for you <laughs> uh, uh do oh. you think there's this there's a species that doesn't have its own dedicated setup that that it needs like leaf cutters or weaver ants which need a dedicated setup um i must say i'm not really looking into these uh, mega special species like uh i've recently heard a lot of people talk about these Hapanothic, I don't know what they're called, but these these uh Abgnatos Venatos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, species like that. And they require quite a crazy naturalistic setup together with uh, like something like Carabara. They also have natural setups. But then again Wakushi has also worked on non natural setups for them. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've got I've the, the there's a there's a there's a nest already in development for the Harpegnathos slash bull ants. Um, which yeah, they, they do they do tend to favour natural setups. The difficult thing with natural setups, as as someone who's kind of new, if you're trying to get into keeping them as a species, it's very difficult when you make a natural setup because you, you no two natural them. setups are the same. Yeah, plus plus yeah, you don't and, really and get the same connection. Yeah, you, you can't you can't see them uh, a lot of the time, and also natural setups as great as the um, the sort of bioactive and the self-cleaning side goes you don't see them so you can't react if there's any issues um and also because you've got bioactive you've also got various bacteria you have a lot of there's a lot of variables that can go wrong when you've got all these different materials for the substrate different layers different gravels um you know just just by putting a certain type of gravel could react with the the the, the alkali ph you know, these types of things can all kill off um, various ants. 
you know, if they're not right. So there's just so many things that can go wrong in natural setups if they're not they're not suitable. But it's really difficult for people to replicate the same working setup, which is why I'm trying to find any, you know, any sort of species that need or that previously only really people kept in natural setups, like Harpegnathos. I have a colony of them. I've had a colony um, inside a gypsum nest for go on probably about a year and a half now. And they're growing to the stage where now I'm actually working on their upgrade, which is going to be a specific nest for them. And same with the the the, um, the Carabada diversa and Affinis. I have them both in MS nests and they're thriving uh, too much to the point where I'm having to probably work on a specific massive nest with these. Well, I already have these weird pod things in in development for them just because the, their growth is just unbelievable. You you know, you imagine Geminata, it's the same thing, really. It's it's very, very fast. But Yeah, we just uh, we yeah. just went uh, straight out on a tangent there. So going back to the final few questions we have from uh, the viewers over on Instagram, we have uh, Vincent who asked, how long does it take to print a nest? And this is, of course, because both SID and EA is mainly just working all in on 3D printing. Um, so how long does it take to print a nest? And how can you shorten the printing time of a nest? Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think you can start with this one. Um, so yeah, the the I guess it would be the most interesting to say what what's the least printing time, what's the longest printing. Of course, the longest would be the large nest, which is about nine hours. Um, so that's a nice overnight print. And then the shortest would be the the small nest or the mini outworld, and that's around two and two hours, two and a half hours. So uh, yeah, printing definitely isn't fast. And yeah, you can buy a faster printer and then print faster, so yeah. But you don't really do anything special to try to cut down the time? Uh, as a person who... I, I don't know anything about 3D printing, so I don't know if you can or not, but it doesn't sound like... There are a few few tricks, of course, uh, of course you can use, but it comes down to experience and design. And um, yeah, I wouldn't... At the, if you're starting out, I wouldn't focus that much on getting... 30 minutes sprint time off because at the end what's that gonna solve so yeah yeah that's a, that's a really good answer i don't know if you have anything to add with cushy or should we just uh, head on to the next um i mean in, in essence it's the, the thing with printing um usually nine times out of ten if you want to reduce this print time you have to sacrifice quality so it's just a trade-off you either have thicker layer lines you can obviously increase the speed but then that tends to obviously have some other negative effects so long story short um yeah that is a simple yes you can print them quicker um but it will will sacrifice quality so it's finding that balance yeah what's your longest print Sid? uh my longest print oh um it's difficult because I, I tend to make things i print things in huge batches so typically they usually run 24 hours to fill a fill a plate but that usually has lots of small parts, so yeah, you must you must larger... know your biggest nest. The biggest, well, the biggest. Oh, so for example, like the biggest nest is the the S six, you know, the the big um, laptop style type things, and each each one of those modules takes around about, I think, about seven and a half hours um, on on the machines. But they've been tweaked heavily, you know, it's, so it's it's difficult to compare. So I think on on some if if someone that was using sort of an Ender three, for example. Um, I'm not sure if they'd fit on an Ender 3 build plate, but if they could, an Ender 3 would probably take maybe 13 hours, 12, 12 to 13 hours to probably print that that normally at normal speeds. 
Yeah, okay. So, uh, and a question not really uh, about experimenting and making this, but what is the best uh, filament uh, for a nest? Also a question from Vincent, and I'll just say uh, sand. I don't know if you have anything to add. If you were to add um, any well, filaments to your nest, of course. Uh, well, well, filament. I think I think they're thinking of you know maybe if they want to build them, if they want to print nests for themselves. I think that's the question they're trying to. Oh ask. yeah, that might be right. Um, I have no idea to be honest. <laughs> that's not what I saw. But. So, <laughs> the filament wise, I, that's difficult because it depends where where I don't know where they're talking. You know, if they're in the UK or if they're in the EU, because obviously the filaments that what, what, what uh, EA is, will what use. What is uh, filament? Uh, just so f filament is 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 the is the the material. So the they have they three D printers. They use uh, these spools, these kind of big long rolls of what's just like you know thin thin wire type plastic. And what happens is that that's melted and then it's put down layer by layer to build a nest up in sort of in layers. But the filament is what they call the material uh, that that three D nests are printed out of. But they can be made from different materials. So. You've got PLA and you have nylon and and various different ones and there's some now hybrid ones that are part wood and things so there's some cool materials and there's some flexible ones and things so filament is just the term. So for that. what do you use, uh, Sid, and what do you use after that uh, EA? Well, I just I just get mine from 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 a local store and I I, I buy buy their uh, own brand filament and that works for me. So yeah. Okay. What about you, Sid? Um, I used to use trying to remember the brand. The problem is it was it was a long time ago. Unfortunately, COVID and the it, when when the first lockdown happened, all the um, shipping and stuff went completely like shut down, and it was just a nightmare to try. And all the filaments, I think, because everyone was sitting at home playing with their three D printers, what during lockdowns, all Amazon and stuff were just absolutely obliterated with all white filaments just sold out everywhere. So that kind of encouraged me to um, start, you know, ordering or, or start looking at finding uh, suppliers. Now I actually buy direct from um, a filament production company. So I don't, it's not a particular brand. It's because I, I now print using five kilo, five kilo rolls. So whereas they used to be, or what most machines use is one kilo spools. Now I use these big fives because it's, it became very difficult to keep changing the the spools all the time. Yeah, that, so gotta get that they're, uh, they're production ones. in there. <laughs> it's well, it's just it's just it became when like as EA will will also you know changing filaments becomes a real pain because typically if you're printing around the clock, you'll probably need to change that spool every probably like two or three days, um, and when you have a lot of printers. You know, for example, if you're running this over twenty or thirty printers, you are now changing about ten rolls a day, and when a roll runs out, the machine stops and it's no longer printing. So these are just you can imagine if you're doing that ten times a day, how long does it take? It becomes very tiresome. To uh, to uh, not, not 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 gem, what to change the filament? Yeah, is it like ten minutes or an hour or? No, no, it's it's naturally it's probably like a couple of minutes to change a filament over, but the problem you can have is sometimes it. It, when it stops, it can get stuck filaments. Sometimes changing filaments, the process for the machine, when it, if it happens mid-print, can sometimes cause you to lose a print and things like that. So it's just, it becomes a bit more of an inconvenience. And the less you, you can do it, the better. Um, and naturally, if you increase the, the spool size five times, you're doing that process. So instead of changing it 10 times 
uh, a day, you're doing it two times a day, and that's a lot better. You want to go for that maximum efficiency, definitely. If you're doing a lot by yourself, like Sidis, you want to try to make everything so as efficient as possible. And then every minute lost is is a minute you could spend on something else. So yeah, it's important uh, for the viewers that kind of lost it like me. <laughs> it's important to keep it as efficient and time efficient as possible. That's very important. Yeah. And and also it's the the color. Every two every filaments brand do different colors and things, and it was a big inconvenience changing the brand because I couldn't get the supply anymore. So that's why I had to move to to direct because um, I needed to ensure that I would never run out because that that gave me a real problem um, when I when I ran. Well, luckily I just placed a big order, but I was starting to really panic because if a three D printing store runs out of filament it's kind of game over and that will shut your whole business down. So that gave me a bit of a fright, um, much like the acrylic shortage did during that time as well. So uh, just the same. Now I just get them direct. I just kind of skip out any middle sellers and just go direct to get things now. Yeah, and and, and I guess that's a step towards a more professional store. Um, But going on with with our last question, uh, it's actually a question from my fiance, And I think she's a a little bit... um, pointing this towards me because currently I am um, the question says uh, how are you managing your life while working so much and I know uh, that both uh, yeah you make YouTube videos and will sit you are always ready to answer uh, when I, whenever I have some questions so uh, how much uh, how, how do you manage your life uh, with all of this uh, work um, the key is not to have one that makes things easy for me. Uh, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it. no, it, it, it is hard. I mean, because um, the the great thing, the hobby is fantastic. The the customers are fantastic. The the social media is fantastic. You know, people have, the, have always got great feedback. You know, chatting with people like EA, um, you know, the different stores. It, it's hard to not get so involved with the hobby uh, and naturally, that can also have a detriment on on sort of social life and personal life. But um, when you've got when you've got so many people who not necessarily dependent, but are constantly asking about when you know, when's this setup going to be ready? I've got a colony that wants to go in this. Um, you know, I've got people who are waiting for. Unfortunately, it's great because I like putting the feelers out there, like for the leaf cut setups. But then that's now fired back with loads of people now kind of waiting for them, wanting to know about them. Um, there's different versions of them. So it's kind of putting more pressure to get them done. So it is hard to go, oh, do you know what, I'm going to take a day off and then just do something for myself. When you've got, you think, oh, actually, do you know, if I had a day just doing designing and testing and this then i'd get so much more done so it's hard it's really really hard i mean I, i'm sure ea you know i don't know how ea does yeah, it. he also has the, YouTube. the guy the guy must have made me a machine yeah you know with his cool. with his shop and and yeah. now doing ants and everything and school and yeah yeah sometimes it's a little bit too much for me uh, and that sadly results in a lot of headaches which i'm very prone to um yeah but yeah I've it's, had it's, that as well. it's Right, right now it's just uh, a very busy week, and then luckily I still have vacation. But if I had the same week and school, I I had to cut one of the two out. So just because, yeah, it just takes a lot of hours, and and you need to make those hours. There are no shortcuts. So I think next year 
I do want to finish my education, of course, and I also do want to keep uploading videos and I do want to keep making ant nests. So I think there will be a lot of very short nights for me uh, upcoming uh, year, um, but it will be all worth it because I still enjoy every minute of it. And as long as I uh, enjoy it, I'll just keep keep going. So yeah, but sometimes I asked, I did so much today. How did I all do it? Uh, yeah, it's it's... But that's a good thing. At least I'm not uh, wasting my time. So yeah, that's very, very nice. Yeah, and that's also just the thing. You you, you just spend so much time as a, as a creator, at least, and as a YouTuber, you spend so much time. And I think this is also around the time we uh, end the podcast because, well, I think we shall have a dedicated podcast in the future about just how long. We have got a, we have got a kind of a picture of how long you two use on, um, well, designing and making this. And next week we'll have Wakushi and Ant's Antic there together to chat about uh, leaf cutters. And I do think that, Ooh. yeah, it's, uh, it'll be upcoming. I'm going again. to watch. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, t I'm gonna, yeah, I'm also, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do also think we should, uh, we should make a, a podcast about uh, well, just how long it takes to be just uh, uh, every week. Yeah, uploader. about about YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah it would be very interesting to. Yeah, yeah, I, I see it sometimes in you in your comments. They ask you to do certain stuff, and then I think you have no idea the time that it adds. Like, like if you want to script script your videos, yeah, that's a, how that's much a whole time night. extra. Yeah, how much extra it takes, and how much longer it takes, and yeah, and it's nice if we can enlighten the people a little bit uh, about that yeah. sometime. Yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, just to shorten it out, I generally use around one to two hours every day when I get home from work. Uh, I go to work in the morning and come home afternoon, and then I use two hours to edit, <laughs> just to get a video out, just to get people being angry that I, my video wasn't scripted. So yeah, I gotta be happy about that. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I must say, uh, just rounding, something we have to deal with. Yeah. The bigger you get, the more hate you get. That's that. Uh, that is social <laughs> yeah. media. But, uh, True. Uh, it's sad, but it's the truth. But I must say, um, Sid and EA, it's been amazing having both of you on the podcast, and well, both of you will join the podcast once again in the future. Wakusha uh, next week and uh, EA. Uh, well, sometime well, in the future. Exactly. Um, but yeah, any yeah. any final words you have for the audience out there, uh, Sid? Just keep anting it's a great hobby and and you know it's it's great to kind of encourage people into it um and you know it's one of those things that when you get into it you just you just don't get out so you know just stay stay anting enjoy the hobby um and i look forward to them yeah amazing final words and uh, ea your final words i have one final thing for the viewer if you made it this far you have to play this stream again because that would greatly help and Oliver. Go also subscribe to his channel if you haven't already. Um, let's support each other and refreshing or watching this again greatly helps uh, <laughs> with promoting the stream. So definitely go watch it a few more times or go watch the other ones. Doesn't matter that they're old, they're still fun to listen to. So uh, yeah, definitely check out the Antpod. I think it's uh, very cool that this exists. And uh, great kudos to Ant Oliver for putting his time in to make this because it honestly also takes a lot of time to do these podcasts so guys give him a little credit give the man a, a warm of applause behind your uh, behind your computer screens and uh, yeah leave some nice comments for our host and Oliver uh, I'm, uh, 
I'm, 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 blush, I'm blushing over here. Uh, I'm just, uh, I don't know how long this podcast will be at the moment. I'm guessing around one hour and five minutes or something. But I can say we have been recording for one hour and twenty. But yeah, just to round it out, uh, it's been amazing having both of you on here. It, uh, I am really quite happy with uh, both both the time, with uh, the questions and just everything. Uh, and also for all of you listening. I'm trying to be one week ahead of uh, the podcast and that means on Instagram I also ask questions around one week before the initial podcast comes out uh, if people have some questions for the next uh, so what I'm trying to say is uh, for the questions for Wakushi and uh, um and Santic it's probably already too late but for the next podcast that I haven't planned out uh, go over to Instagram and see uh, my story because suddenly a poll pop up and that is when you have your chance to answer or ask some questions uh, but yeah it's been amazing having you two here and I think we should uh, end the podcast um, I don't know how we I still don't know how we end this podcast I'm just gonna say bye uh, and then you two can also say uh, bye one of each thank you want. for watching and I'll see you next time <laughs> ah yeah <laughs> the outro from YouTube classic outro <laughs> yeah uh, and Wakushi, uh, would you also say bye? I think we should say say bye on the count of three in the in the Ant Holifer style. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, are you are you in on that, uh, Wakushi? Yeah. Uh, so it, wait, wait, wait. Uh, let me just get like a practice. Let me get a practice. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. This is uh, definitely uh, this is uh, uncut. This will be in the podcast. Don't you worry. Uh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, on the so well, you, well, you could you could almost get us to do it like. But three buys in a row rather than maybe all together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So then you. So, uh, so you. We could just do like a. Bye! From Wakushi or, you know, like something so that yeah. they know who's doing it. Okay, Rather so, than thinking Holifer's just doing it three times in a row. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. so it'll be Wakushi, <laughs> EA, and then me. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Three, two, one. Wakushi. Bye! EA. Bye! And Holifer. Bye! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just that. We're just gonna end it here. So, uh, thank you all. Uh, podcast. It's is been a pleasure. Ended. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>